this past week, my family and I, we went to Olive Garden, all right? It's always a good night when you go to Olive Garden, right? Anyone else? Fans? Like Olive Garden? Or my, okay. So, you know, it's like, we love going to Olive Garden and, uh, but in our family, and this is, this is true kind of universally, any restaurant, right? It's like, we're going to get two meals out of this, right? So, like, that's two nights that you don't have to cook, right? That's two nights that you don't have to do dishes, right? So, we're going to get two meals. It's good financial stewardship. That's what it is, okay? We're going to stretch this out. And so, we told our kids, this is, this is dinner tomorrow, too, right? You get two breadsticks, only one of those, right? And now, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to talk about my son, and just before I do, I need to let you know that I warned him. Okay? I told him that this was going to happen. That he would show up in my sermon on Sunday morning. Okay? Because he said, all right, this is dinner tomorrow, so you're going to save some of your spaghetti, right? Uh-huh, yes. Yes. Just shoveling it, man. It's just going, going, right? So remember, remember. You need to save some of your spaghetti for tomorrow. Like, that's dinner tomorrow. Don't worry. Just, just a few more bites. It's okay, Dad. I got it. Right. Yeah, he saved some of his spaghetti. There were about five noodles that made it into a very tiny container in the fridge. Right? And so as parents, my wife and I, we feel like he needs to learn some self-control. Do you? Holidays are uh, around the corner here. Thanksgiving. Are you going to be confined to the couch in a food-endosed coma that evening? Holiday cups and festive drinks have hit Starbucks. How hard are they going to hit your wallet? Guilty as charged yesterday went like 15 bucks for two drinks. You kidding me? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Made me think about it. <laughs> Christmas, all the preparations, all the decorations, uh, everything that you're getting ready, the, the food, the, the parties, the, the lights, the gifts. How well does self-control fit into that equation? But to be honest with you, all of that, that's, that's way too easy. So as, as we ask this question, do you need to learn self-control? That stuff that I just talked about, I mean, that's pretty superficial, right? I mean, we can, we can look out into the world and we can see this, the, the excess and, and the lavishness and the celebration of these holidays. And, and, but it, it'd be pretty easy for us to exempt ourselves from that. But Proverbs is much more hard-hitting. Proverbs says, Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. First of all, alcohol is not wrong. It's not improper if consume it and enjoy it responsibly, right? 
But we know that in this sinful world, sometimes it's just hard to do so. Sometimes we struggle with that. Sometimes we abuse it. And over-drinking has huge costs. Uh, there's a study that was done, I think it was in 2010, that's where I found this. Uh, the hidden costs, huge costs of excess alcohol on society itself. You can see some of the, the numbers there, right? $82 billion in lost productivity, $75 billion in early mortality, $28 billion in healthcare costs, $25 in crime, $13 in car crashes. But really, the more important stats are not those. I mean, the more important stats are the effect that it has on you, on your body, on your health, your soul, the impact that it might have on, on your productivity and, and maybe the loss of your job. It can literally lead to poverty. It can have those effects. It can have effects on your relationships with coworkers, with friends, maybe even your very deepest relationships, your spouse, your family. It, it can affect those. And so can gluttony, overeating. It has costs too. Lack of self-control in the excess that we consume. It, it might have those costs in, in yes, food-induced comas, drowsiness, sluggishness, but even deeper costs, right? Eventually, it, it can cause heart issues, cancer. Overeating, binging, uh, the cycles that sometimes we go through of, of starving ourselves and, and then binging, but then knowing that we, we can't do that. And, and the psychological uh, difficulties that we can, we can wrestle with. And some of you, you maybe have walked those paths. And you've had those struggles with self-control. For some of you, that is incredibly real. There are moments that are seared into your memory that will never go away because of the restraint that you couldn't show with that next drink or the food before you. And you may know just how deeply it can affect your own health or your relationships. And, and maybe, maybe you've gained some worldly wisdom You've learned some measures of self-control as you've met with therapists or counselors or, or groups. And God be praised for that. God be praised for those resources. God be praised for the good that it has done for you and the benefit that it has brought to you. And if that's you, then there might be some of us in this room who can really learn from you. We can grow from what you have experienced as you share that with us. But maybe some of you, you're, you're listening to this right now, you're watching, you're hearing all of this, and, and these are not the things with which you struggle. Alcohol, food, that, that's not the issue for you. And so maybe you're sitting there right now and you feel pretty secure in your own practice of self-control, and that actually might be the more dangerous spiritual position to be in. 
So let's really just define what self-control is. And here's the definition that I'm going to give you today. If you're taking notes, you can write this one down. That self-control distinguishes between the immediate, what is urgent, what is earthly. It distinguishes between that and the transcendent. What is important, what is lasting, what is even everlasting. That, that self-control allows you to distinguish between those two things. And so I want us to really be honest with ourselves today and recognize that the entire Christian life, the whole Christian life is a battle in self-control. Because our self, our self is sinful. It struggles with this. It tr- struggles to, to make that distinction. There's this amazing thing. God has given so much that is good. An early church leader, Paul, he reminded Timothy that everything God created is good. And it is, nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Everything that God created is good. But because of the world in which we live, because of our own selves, so often we take this good that God has given to us, his good and gracious gifts, and we take it and we abuse it. We misuse it. And so often, self-control is a difference. Do you struggle to put a cap on your spending habits when the holidays roll around? Do you struggle to, to budget well and wisely so that you can also be generous to others and you can be generous back to the kingdom of God? Does Amazon Prime just make it too easy to get more and more stuff into your house? If you perused through your emails and text messages, would you start to notice the ones where you responded too quickly? Too hastily? You you responded immediately and inappropriately? Would that highlight a self-control issue for you? A self-control become hard once the scroll on Instagram or TikTok has started and begun and you just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Do you lose yourself? on the casino floor or standing in the gas station next to the the lottery ticket box or inside the DraftKings app. Your self-control issues surface in in the hours and hours and hours that you spend thinking about your stocks and and selling and buying and trading. Self-control issues, do they they surface in your interactions with the opposite sex? Whether you're, you're single or you're married, 
See, the, the more I thought about self-control, the more that I realized that self-control really plays a role in every single aspect of our lives. All over the place. Self-control is needed. Every age, every gender, every season of your life, self-control is important. There's these good, good gifts from God. And they can be received with thanksgiving. And so often, self-control is the difference. And without self-control, you're exposed. You're weakened. And your enemy looks for the place where he can attack. Seeking to tear you away from God. Proverbs says this about self-control. It says, Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Is this biblical illustration lost on us a little bit? We don't typically today, modern cities, we don't build walls around them. But in biblical times, they did. That's what made a city valuable and important and worthwhile having. So there's a man named Nehemiah. Uh, He has a biblical book that's named after him. Nehemiah was a, a Jewish person. He lived in the later part of the history of God's people in the Old Testament. Nehemiah actually lived in Babylon because this was the time period of God's history where they had been carried away into exile. But one of the rulers, one of the emperors, had allowed people to return to Jerusalem. And Nehemiah, he went to go check it out. And what he saw was so discouraging to him. Because when he got there and he saw Jerusalem, he saw that the walls of the city, they were crumbled, they were broken. There was no protection. And so Nehemiah, because he had a very high position in the court of the emperor, he asked the emperor if he could go and he could rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And God made that emperor favorably disposed to Nehemiah and said yes. And so under his leadership as the appointed governor, the people of God were able to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. But it was not without adversity. Not without incident because the surrounding ethnic groups and their leadership, they did not want a strong Jerusalem. And so they ridiculed the workers. They threatened to attack. They they surrounded the city At one point, the Bible tells us that Nehemiah had half the people working on the wall and the other half the people were standing guard with their swords ready. But by the grace of God, Nehemiah was able to to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem so that the people could have that protection, that safety, that security. When you lack self-control... The walls that surround your heart and your soul are crumbled and broken. And there is an enemy who circles around you and he ridicules you. He threatens to attack and he is waiting for that opening. He is waiting for the weakness to show where he can go after your heart and soul and rip you away from your God. And perhaps the truth is that we know when our self-control has failed. 
And dear friends, that is when your God calls you to run to him. To run to your Lord for safety and protection and security. When you are weak, when you are unprotected, when you are exposed, the wisdom of Proverbs calls you to run to your God. Proverbs 18 verse 10 says, The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. God calls you to run, not walk. Run to his name. And so often the issue with self-control is that we act too hastily, right? We react in the moment. So Proverbs calls you to make your first and your fastest action to turn to the Lord. To run to this, this strong tower that you find in the name of the Lord. And so when you make the Lord and his word your first and your greatest desire, that's going to allow you to distinguish and make that distinction between what is urgent, what is pleasurable, what is immediate, and compared to what is lasting, what is eternal, what is pleasureful. Run to the name of the Lord. In biblical times, a name was so much more than a name. And it isn't just a title or a calling card. A name talks about existence. It talks about character and reputation. And so God desires to communicate so much to you through his name. And whenever you see Lord written as it is up here, all capital letters, that is to signify to you that this is a very special name in the Bible for your God. You see, God wraps up so much in his name. He wraps up his compassion, his love, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, his justice, his power, his might, his holiness, all of that wrapped up into his name. But when you see Lord written like this, all capital letters, that is to point you to the God who is faithful to his covenants, faithful to his promises, the promises that he has made to his people in the past, the promises that he has made to you. And God was faithful to every single promise he had made all the way to the cross of Christ. And at the cross, Jesus, he gave us an incredible, lavish gift of his grace. And when we had lost control, lost control of our heart, our soul, lost control of our bodies, lost control of our eternal destiny. God took control. God took control and he gave us what we truly needed, even if we didn't recognize it. God did not give in to excess, but he gave in excess. He gave to you in excess. He gave you his own life. He gave you Jesus, his own son, He lavished that luxurious love upon you. He gave himself. And he gave forgiveness fully and freely. And so run to your Lord. Run to Jesus and all that Jesus has done to you. Run to the cross and know that you have forgiveness. 
as we reflect on how wisdom calls us to run to the name of the Lord, I want to recognize that God calls us to run to Jesus first and foremost for forgiveness. For every single time that you have failed to show restraint, for every single moment that's seared into your memory, for every time when you knew that there were consequences, there were hardships that came into your life because of a lack of self-control, it is forgiven. It is taken away. Jesus has removed that burden. There is no more weight for you to bury. You are forgiven. Fully, completely. Your eternity is secure in Jesus. That's how he's that strong fortress of safety and protection for you. That's how God lifts you up. He lifts you up through forgiveness. So first and foremost, run to Jesus for forgiveness. The next Proverbs calls you to run to Jesus for fullness. In order for us to grow and mature in Christian self-control, we need to ask ourselves a very important question. Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough for you? Because if Jesus is enough, then you'll be able to let it all go. Food, drink, pleasure, luxury. You'll be able to literally let it all pass you by if Jesus is enough. And do you understand how, how freeing that is? When Jesus turned to his followers and he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Well, sometimes we want to lose ourselves in the things of this world. We want to lose ourselves in alcohol, or we want to lose ourselves in pleasure. We want to lose ourselves in money, whatever it is. We want to lose ourselves because we feel that, that then we'll have relief, then we'll have some peace and calm. What Jesus tells you the exact opposite. He tells you to practice self-control in every single area of your life except for him. Jesus tells you to lose yourself in him. To lose yourself in knowing that Jesus is everything for you. Everything you could possibly want. And that when you have Jesus, you have everything, no matter how you feel. So run to Jesus for fullness. And then finally, dear friends, run to Jesus for fortitude. Continue to ask your faithful God to strengthen you and encourage you. He will be faithful to his promises. He will come to you and he will give you strength. Jesus is that grace of God. And so when the Apostle Paul needed to encourage 
Titus, this young pastor who needed to talk to his people and they needed to learn self-control and he needed to encourage that among them, Paul said to him, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Find strength in Jesus. There are all kinds of practical things that we could say about how to practice self-control. To learn breathing techniques or take a pause, take a step back. Reflect, think before you act, think before you speak. All kinds of practical things that we could say about self-control, but we need the why. And the why is Jesus. The why is because of the salvation of our God, everything that is wrapped up in his name, how he cares so much for us and how he will continue to strengthen us. That there is wisdom in Jesus, there is strength that is found in Jesus. Run to Jesus for fortitude. And so the wisdom of Proverbs is to highlight for you that there is an area in your life where self-control will be a challenge. And it may change throughout your life. It may be different from different seasons. But self-control can be a struggle. And when it is, when you feel weak, when you feel exposed, when you know that the walls surrounding your heart and soul, that they are crumbled, run to your Lord. Run to your faithful God. Run to Jesus. See, this is what makes Christianity so unique. Because Christianity will readily admit that there is something wrong with you. There is something that is broken in you. But it also gives you the solution. That you need forgiveness, you need fullness, and you need fortitude. And they are all found in Jesus. So dear friends, run to Jesus. Learn self-control as you run to Jesus for forgiveness, for fullness, and for fortitude. Amen?